Now we're going to continue our worship. We're turning to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 for our Bible reading today. You're well aware now that in the new normal we've had to dispense with some of the singing. We would normally be singing a hymn at this stage. So we've reduced the hymns down to uh, three rather than four. You've probably twigged on by now that I'm trying to choose hymns that doesn't have a whole pile of verses in them. And over time, we pray that these restrictions will be removed completely in the will of God. But our Bible reading today is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And we're going to read the first 15 verses together. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and we'll read from verse 1 to verse 15. Let's hear the word of God, and if you can follow with me in your Bible, then that's absolutely tremendous. And for those at home, if you could get a copy of the Scriptures, the words will come up on the screen, but it would be good to see it and good to hear it as well. Let's hear the word of the Lord. And I, brethren, could not speak as unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted Paulus watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, but another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Amen. We'll end the reading there at verse 15. And we pray the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now, 
My text this morning is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. It reads as follows, For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. And my theme today is entitled, Laborers Together with God. Whenever the Apostle Paul came to Corinth on his second missionary journey, he came with one great plan, one objective in mind, one chief purpose, and that was to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. You see, Corinth, remember, was a center of learning. There was arts, and there was culture, and there was intellectualism, there was drama, there was philosophy, there, there was architectural beauty in the city, it was a place of commerce, and of course it was a city of great vice and iniquity. And into this city came the Apostle Paul, and he came as a man of God, and he came with a burning passion and a desire to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, anything that the Apostle Paul did, I believe before his conversion, but certainly after his conversion, everything that he did, he was fully committed to. He was certainly not half-hearted. He was not lackadaisical. This man, after his conversion, had a burning heart for God. He had a complete devotion, 100% to Jesus Christ. So when he came to Corinth, he preached the gospel, I believe, with great power and great zeal. He preached, no doubt, with passion and conviction. Acts 18 teaches us that Sabbath by Sabbath, he reasoned with the Jews and the Gentiles out of the Scriptures. He persuaded many that Jesus Christ was the promised Messiah, the Son of God. And he urged individuals in a very passionate way to repent and to believe the gospel. And gloriously, God worked. Hearts were opened. The gospel was effective. A New Testament church was formed. Listen to what we read in Acts chapter 18. And it says there in the uh, verse 8, Acts 18 verse 8, it says this. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord with all his house. And many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. Under God, the Apostle Paul seen uh, the commencement of a great work for God in Corinth. The, the church began to grow and multiply. In fact, did you know the Apostle Paul stayed in Corinth 18 whole months preaching and teaching the Word of God? And at that time, the, the church, of course, continued to flourish. It became established. And this, of course, was despite the iniquity of the city, the immorality of the city, the idolatry of the city. This was despite the indifference of many of the Corinthians. Here's God working and moving and power and blessing. And, and many other souls received. God told Paul, I have much people in this city. So I want you to think about the commencement of the work in Corinth and the continuation of the work in, in Corinth. However, sadly in time, this church at Corinth became a church beset with many massive problems. Over time, God's people began to be full of pride in their hearts and minds. They began to tolerate sin at many different levels. A spirit of worldliness set in. There was carelessness. There was coldness. 
There was even carnality. And that carnality expressed itself in a serious division that arose among them. There was a great spirit of disunity. A party spirit emerged. Small cliques began to form. And those small cliques became like warring factions in the house of God. And the tension was very sharp. In fact, Paul says, if you look at it, for ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? You see, some in Corinth were saying, well, I'm of Paul. I was converted under Paul's ministry. Uh, Paul's my man. Others were saying, well, no, Apollos is my man. I prefer Paul. Apollos, he's a better teacher than, than the apostle Paul. And some were saying, no, no, I'm of Peter. And then there was others who puffed their chest out a wee bit more and thought they were a bit more spiritual and said, but, but I'm of Jesus. It's not what he says. If you look with me at verse 22, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours and ye are Christ and Christ is God. You see, the apostle Paul has to write to this church and he dealt with the problem of this party spirit, this division that emerged among them here in chapter 3 and he's telling them, but you're not acting like Christian men or Christian women. You're acting like babies. You're acting like children. And your behavior as a child is having a profound impact upon the work of God. And of course, how you treat individual people is very important. That's true of the leadership. It's true of the membership. And the Apostle Paul said to them, look, I have planted, Apollos watered, but it's God that gives the increase. We're really nothing. We're really only God's instruments. Don't put us in a pedestal. Don't uh, revere us as some great individuals. Give the Lord the glory. Give the Lord the, 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 the praise. You see, only God is telling them can give the increase. I planted the seed. I preached the gospel. Apollos has come and watered that with his, his prayers and his, his practical help. But, but God has given the increase. So all the honor and the glory belongs to him. Your, your division, your, your discord, it's foolish. It's, it's futile. So in that context, he makes this powerful statement. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. Now here's a glorious truth. And it's very easily forgotten. Here's a crucial matter that impacts upon the work and witness of God especially when it comes to the realm of Christian service, because this is a truth that's not natural to us. This is a truth, as I've said, is easily forgotten and, and, and set to the one side. And, and once this is set to the one side, once it's forgotten, it can cause so much unnecessary anxiety and discouragement for God's people. So I want us to think this morning of this text of Scripture I'm taking it slightly out of its context. I'm not dealing with the whole of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. If we, we did that, we'd be here for a number of weeks. Uh, so we're just dealing with one aspect this morning, and that aspect is laborers together with God. Now think of four things. I want you to think of the reality of Christian service. Paul says, we, for we are laborers together with God. Now, here's a plain fact. All our work for God and the gospel 
is in vain if the Lord doesn't work with us, through us, and for us. Do you know the day that it's possible to be busy for God and expend loads of energy in the work of God to work hard, to, to make sacrifices, to, to, to give money, to work tirelessly? And for all that work at the end, for God to assess it as being vain, meaning empty, as being useless, in other words, it counts for nothing in his sight. That's what he's saying here. Here in this context is of God's call to build the church of Jesus Christ. And the workers there, the builders, they're attempting to use oftentimes the wrong materials. They're using wood, hay, and stubble. A wrong concoction of materials. And at the end, it's all going to be consumed by the fire of God's judgment. And all our efforts, all our sacrifices, all our labors, all our works will be tested. And if they don't stand up to the test, they're going to be burnt up. Now, we ourselves will be saved. But why would they be burnt up? Yet here's the simple answer. Because there's nothing of God in it. Loads of activity. Loads of enterprise. Programs. Work and noise. But if it's all done in our power, in our strength, if it's all, all done according to our way, if it's all done according to our wisdom and thinking, and there's nothing of God in it, and it's not done with God's power, God's strength, and God's wisdom, God's approval, God's blessing, then it's all counts for nothing. It'll be vain at the end of the day. If you go back there to Psalm 127, remember what we read there. The psalmist said, a thousand years before Christ, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Now that's a tremendous statement because it ties in here to the reality of Christian service. You think of these words. You see, all of us this morning were dependent on the Lord. It's not only true that in him we move and live in a being, but we're absolutely dependent on him in every area of the Christian life. We're absolutely dependent on him even in the area of Christian service. We're dependent on the Lord working with us. That's alongside us at our elbow. We're dependent on the Lord working in us and the Lord working through us. And we often forget that. We often fail to remember this. And I believe this is something that we need to take to heart. It applies to the Christian home. How can I be a better father? How can I be a better husband? How can I be a better parent? How can I be a better son or daughter? In the context of my family situation, in my own strength or power and ability, the answer is no. It's only through the grace and strength and wisdom of God doesn't it apply to the Christian church? How can I be a faithful pastor, a faithful elder, a faithful deacon, a faithful church attender in your own power, strength, and wisdom? The answer is no. Doesn't it apply to the whole of the Christian life? 
How can I pray and read and study the Bible and live for God in your own strength, power and ability? The answer is no. And and it also applies to, to Christian service. How can I do something for God in your own strength or power and ability? The answer is no. You see, it's all useless and vain if God is not present. If God is not at work amongst us. We labor here to see God work in the conversion of precious souls. We, we labor here to see God's people comforted and strengthened. To, to see God's people counseled by the Lord himself. To see God's people challenged to, to live for God and to love him with all their heart and soul and mind. We, we labor here to see God's people changed by the grace of God. But let's remember this. I've taken this to heart. You see, this has burned into me over this past three or four weeks since the lockdown began to ease. And I was thinking of coming back into the house of God. And it was the word together that was burned into my heart and mind. And remember, the Lord Jesus said, John 15 and 5, Without me, ye can do nothing. And as a church, of course, we reject every carnal method of man. And we lift our eyes to the Lord and we know that it's not great preachers. And we know that it's not great sermons. And we know that it's not great tears or or the best of arguments or, or, or intellectualism or anything else that raises the spiritual dead. It's God alone. Through his spirit and by his word, he's the master builder. Another thing that we need to think about, an important truth, we're not only dependent on the Lord, but we've also got a duty to the Lord. And that duty means not to expect God to work and labor if we're not prepared to work and labor. He has chosen us to be his instruments. If he's the master builder, then we're building under him. If he is the great husbandman tilling in the field, then, then, then we are working alongside him. See, the Lord expects us to work. He expects us to do something for him that will color our attitude, determine our actions and all our attempts. Remember William Carey, uh, expect great things from God. Attempt great things from God. If God is not going to build a house and a church, if we're not working, how are you going to get the house built? How are you going to get the church completed? Think of Paul in Corinth. I can hear him praying, Lord, help me. Lord, give me wisdom. Lord, give me strength. Give me grace. Lord, use me today. Lord, cleanse me. Lord, grant me the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember what David said, except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. If there's no watchman in that city, if he falls asleep and the city's not protected, then then how's the city going to be saved? Except the Lord do it. But if the watchman fails, then the city will not be protected. And the true Christian man or woman must be fitted with the mindset, not only is God is with me, But God is working in me and through me. And like Christ, we have to say, I must work the works of him that sent me. Doesn't this apply to so many areas? 
Has, has the unsaved not a duty to hear the word of God? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That, that's why you must attend to the means of grace. Have the unsaved not hear that summons to repent and believe the gospel? Is that not their duty and responsibility before God? As you as a Christian, have you not a duty to hate sin and to love righteousness? Do you not have a duty to have a personal quest for holiness? Be ye holy, for I am holy. Have you not a duty to love the Lord with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and walk before him and keep short accounts with him? Have you not a duty to read and study and meditate in the scriptures? Have you not a duty to pray? Have you not a duty to try and win souls? You see, here's the reality of Christian service. Our work is useless unless God works with us, in us and through us. And God won't work Unless we're 100% committed to that work and give ourselves to it and see it, not only we're dependent on him, but see it as a duty. And if the Lord works with us, we can expect success and blessing because he has promised that. So that's really the first point. I want you to think secondly, if you look back at our text, the responsibility of Christian service. Whenever Paul says... For we are laborers together with God. He's not only referring to himself and Apollos, but I believe he's referring to the whole of the Corinthian church, every believer in it, and therefore to the worldwide Christian church. See, every believer in Christ has a responsibility of Christian service. It applies to the pastor, it applies to the elder, the deacon, it applies to the membership, it applies to the adherents. We have an obligation, we have a duty to be a laborer with God. There's so many wonderful different pictures in the Bible about the Christian life. We're called to be stewards, we're called to be soldiers, we're called to be athletes, but we're also called to be laborers. And if you're truly and genuinely converted here this morning, I want you to realize that you have a great duty. It should grip your heart and mind that God has a work for you to do. God has a place for you to labor. And if God has saved you, and you're saved for God's honor and God's glory, then remember this, as you honor and glorify him, he has saved you so that you can serve him. Of course, you cannot serve the Lord unless you're genuinely and truly saved. You must be a, a true, genuine believer. You'll never grow into salvation. You can grow in it, but you'll never grow into it. Like, you'll never grow into a coat. Uh, you've got to put the coat on first. Well, you've got to put on Christ. And if you're genuinely converted, you'll not sit and be idle. You'll not say, well, there's nothing for me to do. You'll not be careless or carnal when it comes to God's service. I see, I believe this morning that Christian service is a part of the great process of the sanctification of the believer and is connected to it. If we're born of the Spirit and indwelt by the Spirit, and then the Spirit puts within our heart a love for Christ, a loathing for sin. And, and, and the Spirit of God creates a loyalty toward the Lord and, and a desire to live for him. 
Of course, we believe that salvation is all of God and all of grace. And a few weeks ago, we preached in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 and 10. Verse 10 primarily, but verse 8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that none of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Verse 10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You see, for those in the Christian life who have a love and a longing for the Lord and want to live for him and want to labor for him, the mindset will be God's work has become my work. And God's cause in the world has become my cause. That's why Paul says here, ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's field in that sense. Ye are God's building. Think of a field. It's been ploughed up. It's been rotivated. It's been sowed. Plants begin to emerge. It's been watered. And then, of course, there's increase. And if we think of our Lord Jesus Christ, remember he said to his stepfather and his mother, Wish ye not, I must be about my father's business in Luke 2. And here's a question this morning. Is God's work our work? Is our chief concern to glorify and honor God in his work? Is its welfare and well-being our concern? If that's true, then we'll do nothing that will hinder or harm the work of God. See, what God is for, his work and his cause, that should be our chief concern. And what is our chief interest? Is it self for the Savior? Is it the glory of God in our home, in our lives, in our testimony, in our church family, in our community, in our country? You see, that's our responsibility. The responsibility of Christian service, as we think about it, at its heart, is God's work as our work. God's cause is my cause. And therefore, we'll give ourselves to it personally. It's not someone else's responsibility or duty. It's ours before the Lord. And the gifts and talents and graces that God has given us, then we will seek to use those gifts and talents and graces for God's honor and God's glory. We'll ask ourselves, what am I doing for God? We'll not only uh, give ourselves to it personally, but we'll give ourselves to it unitedly. You see, the word laborers is in the plural. And laborers must labor in a spirit of unity. Remember, he's addressing them as babes. And that's something that babes, of course, do not do. They don't come together unitedly because they haven't got the sense to come together unitedly because they're only babes. But these are supposed to be Christian men and Christian women. And, and there's a duty of every believer in light of the unity of Christ that's precious that all our service for him must be conducted in a spirit of unity. We're, we're not to behave independently of each other. By, by virtue of our union with Christ, we're united to him as the living head. And therefore, we're united to each other. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. I've often said before that the word united can become untied if you change the, the position of the letter I. I has to do with self. And so often we forget we're members of his body. 
We're not here independently. We're here as a spiritual organic unity. And we're all working together. And how one works impacts on the life and work and witness of another. We would want to do it urgently. He says, um, verse 6, I have planted, Apollos watered. We'll pause there. You see, there has to be a time for planting. There has to be a time for watering. Think of the farmer in the field. He has a great responsibility. Say it's the spring of the year. I've got a field here. I want to sow, say, potatoes in. Well, well, that, that, that field has got to be ploughed. It's got to be rotivated. It's got to be harrowed. And, and then it's got to be made ready for the sowing process. And, and then when the plants begin to emerge, it, it has got to be watered and it's got to be fertilised. And, and the farmer takes that responsibility upon himself. There's no point in saying, I have a lovely field here with love potatoes in it. If he, if he doesn't actually plough it, if he doesn't get it ready for the sowing time, then he's never going to have a harvest. There's no harvest if there's no sowing and watering. The sowing and watering, watering is vital, it's necessary, and it's got to be done at the right time. There's a time to sow, the Bible says, there's a time to reap. And if there's sowing, there will also be a reaping time. Not only do it personally and do it unitedly and do it urgently, but, but do it faithfully. Think of this word, labor. It conveys the idea of hard work. It conveys the idea of toil. The Bible says, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all your heart. And you see, we must serve the Lord to the best of our ability. And that's true when it comes to worship. That's true when, it, when we're witnessing. That, that's true when it comes to warfare and taking a stand against false doctrine, false teachers. Uh, uh, but it's also true about the work of God. Our heart must be in it. We must be passionate. must not be half-hearted. must not be lackadaisical. We, we have a responsibility to be the best of servants that we can be in our home, in our school, our university, our workplace. Because we're his, we're his servants. And because we're in fellowship with him. He's the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he has brought us into a wonderful partnership. So, so we give ourselves to this personally, unitedly, urgently, but, but faithfully. We also do it fervently. You're sitting there wondering, well, how best could I serve the Lord? Could, could I encourage you this morning? Think of the many ways you can serve the Lord. Do you know one of the great ways that you can serve the Lord is faithfully attend a good Bible-believing church, a church that's faithful to the blood in the book, and you plan to be at every meeting if it's humanly possible. And if you're not there, you're so living your life amongst that particular family of fellowship of God's people that, that you're living to be missed. And someone's contacting you. Are you okay, brother? Are you all right, sister? You see, I've said before from this pulpit, I want people who attend this church to know that they're loved from the youngest to the eldest, to know that they're wanted, to know that they're needed, to, to know that they have a, a very good, useful contribution to make to the work and witness of God. You can attend faithfully the house of God. And you won't deliberately or willfully forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. And if you've got a problem or a difficulty, then, then come and talk to me. Come and talk to some of the elders. We're here to help. 
Don't suffer in silence, because I believe the grace of God can triumph every problem. Here's one of the ways you can serve the Lord and help and encourage one another by faithful attendance. You can also serve the Lord when you engage in prayer. Corporately, we know we encourage private prayer at home, and you can call on the Lord in your own home, but you can have a daily quiet time, and that's encouraged, but but you can also cooperate and serve the Lord when, when you gather together for the time of prayer. And it's lovely to see so many gathered in the minor hall for the time of prayer. Another way to serve the Lord is faithfully read and study the scriptures. Get a word for yourself every day from the Lord. Something that blesses you. Something that strengthens your heart. Something that fills you with joy. Something that almost sort of blows your mind that you want to share with somebody else. Phone them up or say to a a, a family member or a work colleague, I've got this word from the Lord today. Because you've got an appetite for the scriptures. And you're learning to compare scripture with scripture. And you're not just coming to church and being spoon-fed by me and taking my word for it. You become fully convinced in your mind This is God's word. Isn't that what the psalmist said? Speaking of the godly man, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law doth he meditate day and night. What about giving ourselves to hospitality? Having an open home, meeting someone for a cup of coffee or a chat, having a cup of tea. You know, it's great to have an audio service and we've enjoyed that for many years. Now, Now we have more of a visual service. But I believe it's important that people meet face to face and see one another in an Ulster fashion, eyeball to eyeball. Here's another way we can serve the Lord is give a little gift. Help someone along the way if they have a particular need. Maybe send a card, write a little letter, befriending a visitor. We, We must make sure that every visitor has a warm smile. And even though we can't hug them at this time and and, and give out a handshake, we want them to know that they're welcome amongst us if they want to come. And and we'll always find a seat for the visitor. What about thinking of the elderly, those in care homes, those that are lonely? We We could visit some of them. What about exercising the power of love? I've been thinking about the greatest gift of all. We can serve the Lord by love. Because love is the greatest of gifts. There's many people don't know that they're loved. And yet if we love them in Jesus' name, and they experience that. See, I believe this is some of the ways, not not exclusively, but this is some of the ways how the true church works. This is how the true church operates. This is how it should be. This is how Paul wanted it in Corinth. And this was the responsibility of every believer, the pastor, the elder, the deacon, the membership, the the adherent. And this is what he wanted them to do. Give themselves to this personally. Work together unitedly. Work together because the need is urgent to win souls for Christ. Work together faithfully unto God. Work together fervently, their hearts in it, in all of these things. And many, many more. Thirdly, think about the reassurance of Christian service. He says, for we are laborers together with God. Underline those two words, with God. When we serve the Lord with the knowledge that we're dependent on him and do it dutifully in that wonderful relationship of salvation because we have fellowship with him as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, we're really working 
and witnessing and living out our life in a partnership with him. Oh, that we could understand that our service is dependent on him. Remember Paul says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. You know, the best thing of all is to know the Lord is with us. That his presence, remember Moses said, if thy presence go not with us, carry us not a pence. And what we need here is a sense that the Lord is amongst us. That the Lord's presence is here. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. To know the Lord in the midst, every service, the prayer meeting, even the young people's fellowship, the children's ministry. And not only to know his presence, but to experience his power. And, and to know his provision. Remember he said, Philippians 4, 19, But my God shall supply all our need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Does the Lord know what we need in carried off FPC? He does. And how does the Lord encourage us? How does he enable us? How does he strengthen us? He comes by his presence. He makes it a felt reality. He displays his power. And we, we know that the Lord's at work there. And we taste of his provision. Because our needs are being met. Whatever the needs are. And that's the reassurance of Christian service. Labors together with God. If you think of the young people are here, some of them are familiar with drawing in silage and you've got your big tractor and your silage trailer and it comes alongside the silage harvester and the silage harvester does its work and the tra tractor and trailer does its work because it's taking the load away uh, to uh, the, the silo. And that's the thought here. of, of uh, it's, it's God with us and it's us with God and being overcome with that sense his presence, his power, his provision, his promise. And think lastly, the reward of Christian service. You see, in the context here, Paul said this, verse 6, but God gave the increase. Verse 7, but God that giveth the increase. For ye are labors together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. You see, it's off God. When God is with us by his presence, his power and his provision and his promise, then I want to assure you, God's work will not fail. Andrew Murray, the great revivalist in South Africa, said this, if God's work is done in God's way, it will not lack God's supply. And Paul emphasized twice, I'm only a planter. Paulus is only a water. Don't put us on a pedestal. Don't have a party spirit after us because it's God that gives the increase. You see, it's the Lord that gives the reward. It's the Lord that gives the excess. In Acts 2.42, we read that the Lord added to the church such as should be saved. God gets all the glory. God gets all the honor. God gets all the praise. We're sure of success. We're sure of blessing and reward because God is with us. God is at work alongside us. God is at work in us and through us. Paul says, but we're just ministers by whom you believed. Don't fight over me, please. You haven't believed because of me, because of my sermons or my prayers or my life. You believe because of the Lord. Salvation's of is not so humbling for the mighty apostle Paul to say. Remember John the Baptist in John 3 and verse 30 we read, He must increase. 
I must decrease. You see, I have realized I'm only a planter here. I'm only a sower. I'm only a waterer. And so are you this morning. And only God can produce a harvest. Only God can give the increase. Only God can say, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, it's right to give thanks, and we try to do that. But ultimately, it's only God that says, well done, good and faithful servant. There is a reward in Christian service, but that reward is God's. And for God's to bestow, and it's not humbling, and yet it's so encouraging to recognize I commend this thought to you this morning. Laborers together with God. Let's see the reality of that. Unless God works, our work's in vain. And yet we must work with the Lord. And let's see our responsibility. Not only are we dependent, but we have a duty to him in all of these areas that I've mentioned. And we've got this reassurance, he is with us. Because we're laborers together with him. And we can enjoy and taste his reward. May the Lord bless us.